Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Unauthorized Cinnamon, a Deadwood podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Herman. I'm Harry J. Perales, the other. Welcome to episode six of season two, Something Very Expensive, which is a very foreboding title when you know what it references. Uh, but it starts out in Al's room, and Doc is further amazed by Al's recovery type. You are a, uh, what does he say? You're a, uh... <laughs> was he afraid of him as a miracle at this part, or is it later? Yeah, you were a miracle yeah. of an obstinate disposition, like, stubbornness <laughs> and an obstinate disposition or something. Hostile disposition. And it earns him one of the patented owl looks, like, mm-hmm. oh. <laughs> uh doc comes out and tells everyone downstairs at the gym that al's ready to meet everybody so there's finally uh gonna be people coming out with all these problems that have mm-hmm. been happening yeah uh and i thought it was sweet that like when he says that johnny has like just this big old grin on his face yeah um but uh we're outside the belly union real quick Sai wants to know how much longer he's supposed to go on buying these claims because he's like, this is about like, I'm going to start looking like a goddamn crazy person if I'm just buying up all these claims for no good reason. Walcott kind of assures him like, you're almost done with this, with this uh, phase of it. And he says, even as another begins. And that's when a stagecoach comes in that we learn later has... <clears throat> We could call them the Chinese prostitutes, but they're probably better referred to as the sex slaves. Yeah. Right? I mean, technically, like, the girls at even the Chez Ami were sex mm-hmm. slaves, because there was a thing like, yeah. now don't anyone think about running away. <laughs> like, yeah. ha ha ha, you're a sex slave. But we also see them come in an actual, like, stagecoach as opposed to, like, a covered wagon, or a covered, like, not even a... Like... Just thrown in the back of a truck, basically, and just yeah. got covered. Yeah, yeah. It's not even a stagecoach. Yeah, yeah. it's like those Chez Ami whores arrived in like a stagecoach along with mm-hmm. the luckiest boy in the world. Yeah, they're in the dark, you know, and they're yeah, covered up, and they clearly have had no food or water. Yeah. yeah. Um. Well, we'll get to that later. Um. In Alma's room, she's brought Saul in to tell him, like, mm-hmm. uh, I'd like to start a bank, and I want you to be the chief officer. For, uh, you know, uh, for obvious reasons. But uh, Saul kind of is like, I think that's exactly what the town needs. It's a great idea, but I don't know if I should be involved in it. Which, good on Seth for, you know, being bros before hoes. But, like, (laughs) it's very stupid, like, to have that level of loyalty to seth yeah loyalty or deference Mm -hmm. you know uh almost says like well i can kind of guess why (laughs) and can i just tell you that like how about you not worry about that guy uh because we all have complicating obligations and then she goes over to the wash bin and throws up (laughs) so and he's like allow me to demonstrate (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, this is where we see, you know, we're back in, uh, Chinaman's Alley. Wu cuts off the tarp that's covering the wagon and just like dozens of these packed in 
sex workers are just like blinded by the sudden, mm-hmm. you know, reasonable amount of daylight. And, you know, Lee and one of his henchmen see it and they're kind of like, I hope no one see it. Like, this is kind of a, yeah. it's kind of a black eye for us or whatever. Uh, but they're, you know, reaching out between the bars and like just like begging to be let out or be given food or water, anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Cy and Walcott are looking on. And Sai asks, kind of knowing, like, I think even Sai is kind of like, this is really fucked up. Mm-hmm. He goes, uh, these are my uh, new employees. Um, all the Chinese residents around are clearly horrified by this, mm-hmm. but also know that they can't say anything. Like, they know, like, look, we don't want to get in trouble with these people. So mm-hmm. they're not saying anything. Doc walks by. At that time, has the exact reaction that Doc should have, mm-hmm. just being like um, completely horrified. And looks over at Sai, mm-hmm. which well, was very savvy of Doc to know exactly who's behind this. And Sai, you know, gives him that same like you can help your delicate sensibilities by turning the fuck, fuck away. away. Yeah, you know, he gives him that same look, and he just walks off with his head down. Mm-hmm. Which kind of reminded me of, um, as much as this is obviously like, what the fuck are you doing? Mm-hmm. It's still Deadwood, you know? Like, yeah. y- you can't really do anything about it. You just have to uh, wash your hands of it. Mm-hmm. Um, back in Al's office, Dane and Johnny are trying to get Al propped up straight in his chair for when he like comes in to meet meet people and he's like dan's like you're off a little just a cunt hair (laughs) (laughs) johnny moves him and al says to johnny like you get you know if there's even the slightest uh hint of drool coming out of my mouth you give me a little eye and he's like you ain't never shown no spittle out and he goes do as i fucking say (laughs) i love that like he will not allow him to show even the slightest bit of weakness in any conceivable way even if it's never shown mm-hmm. up before yeah uh and outside of there there's this line of people waiting to meet pal <laughs> trixie jumps that line immediately mm-hmm. and uh eb is of course indignant mm-hmm. says, then why am i in first chair and uh trix is like anyone else suck his prick <laughs> Uh, which uh, none of them are willing to do for her. Uh, we're at the Billy Union. <laughs> Jerry has collected his things and he is <laughs> hurriedly leaving. <laughs> he, <laughs> there's a lot of the like between Jerry and uh, what's her name, Isringhausen. There's a mm-hmm. lot of very haughty biblical restaurants. Like you washed your hands of me, Mister Tolliver, no less contemptibly than did Pontius Pilate. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very on brand for Jerry to liken himself to Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Sai makes this comment of like, sometimes the shadow is cast by the sheltering. <laughs> 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 Which is some, that that's some like USDA choice bullshit. Yeah, right that's, that's a good way to spin. Um. 
Walk as Jerry leaves, Walcott wanders aside. Like, I wonder what impression of us he's going to take to Yankton. Like, uh, is he going to? Is this going to fuck us up? Mm-hmm. Are they going to think we're unreliable? But Cy makes a point that like, what he's going to tell them is that you have shit tons of money, and I'm not a guy to fuck around with. Mm-hmm. Which is, I think, exactly what Mister Hurst wanted uh, the image to be. Yeah. So there's something. Uh, but back in Al's office, <laughs> there's. A really, it's it's a very sweet scene between Trixie and Al. Mm-hmm. Uh, for sh- she reports to him first that um, Saul met with Alma about setting up a bank in town. Uh, and Trixie, this was a good interplay between the two uh, personalities. Cause Trixie talks about Seth and just mentions him as the other one. Mm-hmm. And... Which is a lot like what Al did mm-hmm. when he was mad at Trixie. Like, mm-hmm. go tell the other one. To bl-. And everyone's like, Trixie? Yeah. He's <laughs> like, I don't want to. Trixie says, uh, or Al's like, you don't need to avoid mm-hmm. saying his name just to spare my feelings. Like, mm-hmm. thinking of himself. And Trixie's like, I don't give a shit about you. I just don't like saying his name. He's a piece of shit. Yeah. Those, uh, I thought those were very well handled, like, miscommunication mm-hmm. where, like, you're not my you're not my whole world and concern anymore. Yeah. Like we're I, oh, that's yeah. a good point. Yeah. And so but he's still he's still on this kind of wavelength, but she's like, No, we have a new relationship now. Like I'm coming and telling you this, but you're not my only concern. Um Yes, on a more personal note where it gets kind of sweet how it's going with Saul. Mm-hmm. She's like, It's going fine. Uh he says, like, don't be don't be giving that pussy away for free because then they won't respect her, which is interesting. She tells him that he's getting uh, accounting lessons from him. And Al's kind of like, oh, well, that's that's good. He says learning's like currency to them. But, well, he brings out the worst in tricks, I think, yeah. <laughs> like with the Jew jokes. Mm-hmm. There's a really cute thing where he goes, she's just like, gossiping with Al and he's like he stares in my eye uh, he stares in my eyes when he fucks me long and like and I was like Jesus Christ <laughs> <laughs> Saul went and caught feelings uh, I thought that was really sweet given that you know just a few episodes ago Al was kind of like threatening her yeah. you know for seeing him and now he's just mm-hmm. like so how's the sex with, yeah. <laughs> with this guy um this is one of my favorite Jerry moments. <laughs> <laughs> I had to rewind this one a couple of times. <laughs> is it, th- this moment and the your titties yeah. <laughs> like like a stagecoach has arrived and it has the new teacher on board, mm-hmm. but Jerry doesn't stop <laughs> to no. help her out. In fact, he pushes her to the side so he can get on. Yeah, that he uses stage- <laughs> a propulsion to get into the stage <laughs> and so like you know this is the new it's mary stokes she's the new teacher blah 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 merrick meets her and he's very excited to meet her blah 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 but <laughs> while they're talking jerry <laughs> sticks his arm out with her purse and is like <laughs> impatiently wagging it at merrick <laughs> take this shit take this shit it's like we want to go uh that's one of those things where you're like, what a shithead. And it's like, I, I could see myself doing that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in, my, in my lesser moments. Um, 
But back at the gym, Trixie's leaving and she pokes fun at Evie. And she's like, liar. And does the look. <laughs> Which is not a great joke, but I like it because she's doing it to Evie. Yeah. Um, but as Trixie's downstairs, Ellsworth's kind of... <laughs> I like... Ellsworth's kind of like looking around in the rooms. Mm-hmm. And I love Trixie's like, what's this then? <laughs> like, yeah. What are you doing? Ellsworth's like, nothing. I'm just Ooh. looking for you. <laughs> I love that she's like... <laughs> used to like chasing people out of these horns and Ellsworth's like, I'm just trying to find you. And he says that her, his nerves have had a shock. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trixie takes him back to the room. Actually, <laughs> there's just a little, you know, moment, this little vignette of this passed out whore with a bottle in her hand, mm-hmm. which is really like, uh, disturbing. <laughs> she yeah. like takes it off, and, like wipes the rim. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, so Ellsworth says that Alma hasn't been looking well, especially in the morning. And then she's been pale. And Trixie's like, well, why'd you get her pregnant for? He's yeah. like, oh, well, well, what? He would, if he were drinking, taking a drink of water, he would have spit it right yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, his monocle would fall into the glass. But he's like, I, I, I never touched her. Yeah. Like, like, I worked for the woman. I don't. And she, she, there's this really twisted like dialogue of like well are you gonna do the right fucking thing and he's like i didn't <laughs> i didn't do it and she's like i know you didn't but will you do the right thing and he's like what right thing yeah will you fucking do it and he's like do what <laughs> <laughs> and she has to explain to him like look i know <laughs> i think i think the phrase the true comes off yeah comes oh my <laughs> god <laughs> the comes author I think that's my new Twitter name. Yeah, that comes off. Comes true author. Yeah, comes true author. <laughs> but uh, she she explains that like you know if she has this baby and she's not married, everyone's gonna know who it was. Yeah, and that's gonna be bad for her. It's gonna be bad for Seth. It's especially gonna be bad for Mrs. Bullock and the little kid. Uh, you know his son. Yeah. Like, will you do the right thing and marry her and save everyone from this embarrassment? And there's that like. Because you feel bad that, like, Ellsworth is, like, the best person in town. That they were like, look, I know you're going to do the... You know, it, it's like... Of course, I didn't have this extreme situation. But, like, you know, in my family, you know, somebody will throw, throw a fit. And then uh, come to me and they'll be like, okay, well, calm down. No, it's okay. Because I know you're the... Or, you know, maybe not me or somebody else. Be like, Because I know you're the good one. So I know you're going to be okay with it. Mm-hmm. So the other one I have no control over. So you just fine. I'll yeah. calm down then, you know. Yeah, and it, 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 you know, when you think about where Ellsworth started out when we first met him mm-hmm. uh, and his standing in society, we contrast it like just the scene before with this, you know, commissioner mm-hmm. who's, uh, you know, an official and you know, supposedly a pillar of the community. Mm-hmm. Like, can't be bothered to help a woman out of a carriage. Yeah. But Ellsworth's willing to, like, marry a woman mm-hmm. to save everyone a whole bunch of... He literally says, do you think she would have me? Yeah, that's heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, the, would she even fucking have... And then mm-hmm. Trixie's like, oh, I'll work on that next. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I need to get you nailed down first. Yeah. <laughs> uh, back in the thoroughfare, uh, Merrick is... Very excitedly unloading some books for the new teacher, and he wants to take her on a tour of the camp. I don't have too much else to say about this. This is just 
Merrick has a teacher fetish, basically. And it's also getting Merrick away from something that's going to happen later. Right. Yeah, yeah that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, back in Al's office, E.B. is finally telling Al that Walcott's in town. <laughs> this is the first... Like, Walcott's been here since the first episode of the season, right? And we're halfway through, and Al is just now hearing about it. Um, and he says that he's with Sai. And so Al immediately puts together, you know, he was talking with Seth at the end of last episode that, like, look, Yankton's not doing this by himself. They've got some money backing him up. And so Al's like, okay, he represents the money that's backing up Yankton and making them so bold all of a sudden. Uh, E.B., he then tries to very delicately, like, introduce the idea that he's got, you know, some association with Walcott. And he's like, you know, I, I uh, pretended to trick him and that he'd gotten the better of me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, it's a very interesting gambit to mm-hmm. pr- trick someone into thinking they've been tricked. And anyway, uh, but Al is like, how much did you buy it for? <laughs> <laughs> Just automatically cutting through it. Like, All right. How much did it? And he'd be like, I was... I let Dan know everything while you were out. I wasn't hiding this. Uh, so EB tells him it was he gave him ten thousand dollars. Yeah. Al kind of just like stares him down. Like <laughs> the good thing about EB for Dan is Al doesn't have to like find ways to coax information out. He just has to stare at him for a while, yeah. and he'll like blurt out whatever to like mm-hmm. get him to stop staring him down. He says I'm I I apologize for the disloyalty. I didn't you know. And Al's just like, look, you were protecting yourself in case I died, you, whatever. And so EB's like, okay, that's, I think we're done. Um, <laughs> There's also that great bit where like, like, isn't it where EB goes to the door and then he rings the bell? And EB turns around, thinking like, <laughs> oh my god, what does this mean? And he's like, shut the fucking door. Go, oh, leave. oh, okay, uh, all right. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> this we go to the hardware store and like, uh, like the very first shot is just like Seth just grinning for no reason, like an asshole, mm-hmm. like oh, in my store. And then it, he sees Saul coming, and his face like drops. Mm-hmm. And Saul's like, "Oh, thanks for opening up." And Seth's like, "Well, uh, you know, you weren't here for whatever reason that I don't know what it is." <laughs> <laughs> so, I like that Saul starts out thinking he can. Oh, I just paid a call and then I uh, went for a walk. And he's, he he starts that kind of thinking like this will be fine if I just say that, and then mm-hmm. immediately is kind of like nah, I have to tell him everything. And he's mm-hmm. like the call was to Mrs. Garrett or the widow Garrett, and Seth's like we t- we talked about this. Like we agreed that. You weren't going to see her. And Saul's like, look, she invited me. This was her idea. I, you know, but Seth, like, will not hear about it and just mm-hmm. not listening. A customer comes by. And Seth's just like, fuck off, you yeah. piece of shit. And, <laughs> and Saul's like, please come back later. <laughs> we'll we'll be open just yeah. a sec. Like, <laughs> we'll be happy to find your provisions or whatever. <laughs> And then Seth is mad that Saul didn't tell him about it. He's like, oh, I'm sure you told the whore. Which, just uh, just being an asshole. Saul's like, okay, this conversation's over. 
And Seth's like, no, we're still talking. And Saul's like, no, it's over. Because if we go any further, we're going to fight. And then you'll have to work by yourself while I come less. <laughs> Which I actually, like, used this line, like, uh, last weekend. Because, <laughs> like, uh, we were out, like, uh, getting drinks with some friends. And, like, um, someone was, like, moving a chair and kind of, like, bummed Claudia in the back. Claudia had this look of, like, oh. And she's like, oh, it was just a chair. Like, she, she's like, I thought someone was like grabbing me or something she's like daniel you're gonna do something and i'm like and she's like would you do anything in that situation i was oh. like i mean i would have to but then you know you might have to pay my hospital bill yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like i know that that's my duty but mm-hmm. like fucking shit like there's there's a 20 percent chance i win a fight <laughs> yeah but anyway, I, I like saul just being like no you're gonna be the shit out of me man yeah um but we're now we're in Al's office, and now Miss Hisringhausen's talking to Al, and this is where it all comes out. <laughs> Miss Hisringhausen is telling Al this story that's clear, like she says, uh, almost frequently under the influence of opiates, which Al knows she is not anymore. Yeah. Um, says, uh, she named you as her instrument in the murder, and Al, like, very quickly is like, oh, did okay, she? so oh, she said, and he, he asked her mm-hmm. a very pointed question of like, she said, I killed him. She says, no, she just said that you were her instrument. She left it vague. He's like, oh, okay, so it's vague. So if I flip <laughs> like over for your side and, you know, turn witness against Alma, like we can just say that I didn't actually do it or she might pin the murder on me mm-hmm. and it's in my best interest to go along with you. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, where Mrs. Ringhausen is coming from. She's been paid. uh, Her bosses have been paid to frame Alma for Brahms' murder so that Brahms' family can get uh, all these riches. Yeah. Who do you work for? People of means. People you work for were hired by people of means. Don't get cagey, Mrs. Ringhausen. Let me suggest, Mr. Swearingen... You do not get distracted from your opportunity. Not who I work for should concern you, but the amount you'll be paid and the surety of its delivery. Too fucking true. Why, I pray fervently it ain't the Pinkertons whose pay you're in and that her dead husband's people hired to steal her gold. I got unrelated reasons to hate those cocksuckers. $50,000. Oh, I'm hard-pressed to think who the fuck else it would be. $50,000, Mr. Swearingen. Separate from pay to your subordinates. Your pocket's not mine? Yes. Would it go against his for the pussy? No charge for the pussy. And once he gets on Pinkerton's, again, like last episode when she, like, you know, opened her legs up to distract Adams from, like, reaching the conclusion he was headed towards, uh-huh. she just goes, 50000 Like, <laughs> Stop asking questions. I'll give you $50,000. Uh... And Adams this whole time is just like, oh my god, I can't fucking believe this yeah. shit. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, he, uh, they're in the thoroughfare, and Adams and Isringhausen are walking back to the hotel, and he's just like, oh, what else are you lying to me about? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can't ever trust women. And Isringhausen, 
and he brings up like at first I'm like, oh, he's just being pissy, and he's like, what you think Al's gonna give me a raise now after this? And it's like, yeah. oh, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah, and she's that... fucking with his credibility and Al's trust in him. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, uh, how about we go fuck? <laughs> And I'm just like, mm, I don't know. I'm afraid I might get snake bait. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> uh, she says, all right, look, you fuck me and I'll tell you whatever you want to know. Yeah. Uh, I really like Miss Isringhausen as kind of like a a woman who is like intelligent mm-hmm. and strong and like likes to fuck. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, I think she's a pretty good character. Yeah. It's a good performance by Sarah Paulson. Thanks. Yeah routinely shown that she's always pretty much always good. yeah pretty much always she's not she's not capable of uh, usually turning into shitty performance yeah despite working often for ryan murphy yeah she still is pretty good yeah yeah exactly uh now we're by the number 10 seth has just walked away mad from saul so uh he needs to beat somebody up <laughs> um Alan Seppenwall made really good points about this episode, about how there's a whole lot of people not being able to let out their frustrations against the people they want to. Mm-hmm. So they turn to somebody else. Yeah. We saw it last episode with the mob. They couldn't get to Jerry. Mm-hmm. So they tried to tar fields. Yeah. Um, here's Seth can't fight with Saul. So he's going to turn <laughs> to Steve the drunk. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You know, later on, Walcott's gonna be really offended and get really mad at Sai, but he can't take Sai out because he's a business partner. Mm-hmm. So he's gonna go somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, That's a good point. But yeah, now Seth is is he's walking mad. I, I feel like that should just be the title of like a Seth spinoff, Walking yeah. Mad. Walking like, Mad. He's uh he sees Steve drinking and goes in. He decides he's he's gonna have to regulate. Uh, he just this is a really I don't know how to feel about it because Steve, Steve is clearly a bad guy, mm-hmm. uh, and you know also um, we know that Seth is just not thinking straight and doing something he doesn't need to. Mm-hmm. But I get a really strong sense of like what law enforcement does to people of limited means. Yeah. How they can just kind of like, for no good reason, menace these poor people. And I would imagine De- uh, Milch having written for NYPD Blue, talking about the NYPD, I mean, for Christ's sake. Yeah. You know, they just go around and beat up some homeless people if they're frustrated over something or like mm-hmm. some kids dealing drugs or whatever. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's what this reminded me of. Steve is pretty much minding his own business at this point. It's been, mm-hmm. you know, it was yesterday, but Seth comes in and it's like, don't you ever try that shit again? He's like, you won't be murdering anyone in this camp, and I mean that's a good point. Yeah, you're not, you can't murder anyone, but also he's just going out of his way to to fuck with Steve. Yeah. Um. Steve has you know a line like, "All right, I can live with that." And we gotta always be rubbing my nose in it, and Seth just punches him. Yeah. For a not really good reason. Well, there's Again. also that moment in the beginning when he spits on the floor, and he's like, you know, is that intended as an insult? Right. No, that was an insult. Yeah. Just trying to find any in any end to just like pummel Steve. Mm-hmm. Now we have a uh some unnamed Hoobblehead at the bar that is gonna philosophize. 
mm-hmm. about justice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he points out that, uh, tr- like, what is Steve just supposed to take that? Like, it's a fair point. If yeah. you don't know the whole story, like, can the cop really just come in and punch a guy in the mouth for that much reason? And Tom is kind of like, look, man, I just work here. You know, I'm not getting in the middle of this. He goes, uh, he has that line, outside every courthouse in the land is the lady not blindfolded to ignore how them scales she carries sometimes gets balanced out. Mm-hmm. That's a fucking good line. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Steve falls a very... He follows a very uh, perplexing line of thinking. <laughs> like, well, let's see how Bullock likes it if I fucked his horse. <laughs> <laughs> well, he says something like, I'll carve it in the side of his horse. Said, Bullock, I fucked your horse. And if I'm going to write that, I'm sure as hell going to fuck the horse. <laughs> I'm not a liar. <laughs> it's a very interesting. Like, <laughs> I wish there was more of a reaction from everyone else. Like, okay, you could do that. But, okay, but why? <laughs> <laughs> it does set up one of my favorite scenes on the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and back the, the Bell Union Psy is very bored with going through all this paperwork with Walcott. Mm-hmm. He's being very theatrical with it. Like he signs and then like wa- like waves them. Very, like, <laughs> blow. He's like, oh boy. And I realize that like Psy is very used to um, kind of more direct thievery mm-hmm. and like taking action against people like cheating them in a card game or you know robbing someone he's not accustomed to this kind of like long game you know positioning yourself to make more money through like dense paperwork yeah like this like gaining an advantage through bureaucratic loopholes that like walcott is very expert at you know he's you know we talked about, you know, the future fucks you and about how, how Hearst's operation is a whole lot more sophisticated yeah. than just, uh, oh, yeah, we're going to stab a guy in his bed and take everything that he has. And size impatient with that, but Walcott's yeah. like, this is how you make money in Ameri- in, in a civilization. Yeah. Um, and Sai brings up that, you know, hey, look, uh, there's a few things that are bugging me right now. I was like, what? Well, like, these new Chinese whores are making a very disturbing appearance and Walcott's like, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> and mm-hmm. Sai says, also, like, they have them in these, he calls them cribs. Yeah. It's like, they're not very, you know, appetizing venues for fucking. Mm-hmm. And Walcott has, you know, this kind of flippant line about, like, uh, you know, maybe that he'll attract the intending clientele. And this is where Sai sees his in. He says... All right now, this is exactly the attitude that has me concerned. Sort of like haughty disposition, acting mm-hmm. like you're better than everybody with a hint of anger behind it. And he pulls out his, you know, this fact that he heard he's a dangerous trick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Walcott is kind of visibly upset that his private contract conduct is being spoken of and... Sai is, uh, Sai really goes for it at this point. He mm-hmm. says, like, it would be a shame if Mr. Hurst were to hear about, about what's going on with you. And, uh, he's like, look, you don't want to lose what 
it must be a very well-paying job. He goes, look, I'm I'm past surprise. I won't I won't judge you. I you know, all I can't provide for you is the cliff. Is what he said. Mm-hmm. If you're going to ride one off the cliff, I can't mm-hmm. give you that. But I can do everything else for you. And blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Walcott like really fucking is not having it. Yeah. Believing yourself past surprise does not commend you to me as a friend. A man inadequately sophisticated or merely ignorant or simply stupid may believe himself past surprise, then be surprised to discover, for example, that Mr. Hurst already knows of my inclinations and finds them immaterial. Suggesting as a corollary that your skills for blackmail and manipulation no longer are assets to you. And for your fatuous belief in their efficacy, in fact, have become liabilities. In short, you've overplayed your hand. Now, I should think, in consequence, now recognizing yourself as a man past his time, that during this last transitional period, you would devote yourself with grateful and quiet diligence to such uses as others may still find you suitable. That's fucking badass. Yeah. That's so good. Like, that's the best letter to the editor composed on the spot. Yeah. And we should say, like, Garrett Delahunt, his performance in this is so good because he's saying all this, but he's clearly fucked up that Sai knows about it. Mm -hmm. And he says later on he doesn't want to be seen. Like, he doesn't want his, his full character revealed yeah and dillahunt does a very good slow burn of keeping that rage and shame just barely below the surface um fucking good yeah um but he gets up and leaves and we go to adam's room we have some more post-coital glow (laughs) uh and Isringhausen is uh, telling him uh, how she, you know, basically she's telling him everything. Ahmed placed all these uh, advertisements in Boston and New York and Chicago for a tutor. And then her bosses saw it and used her as a tutor to mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Adams asks her, you know, he isn't probably too fond of the Pinkertons either. He asks, like, uh, did you help? send the miners up the fucking scaffold in Pennsylvania, which he's talking about these, the Molly Maguires mm-hmm. in the, these coal miners in Pennsylvania that the Pinkertons can, the, the, for those of you unfamiliar, the Molly Maguires were like a, a fraternity of these Irish coal miners that fought against the like, you know, ridiculous like working conditions. Mm-hmm. And they used to send, like, you know, death threats to, to the bosses and stuff like that. And basically were fighting for workers' rights. And the Pinkertons infiltrated them and kind of uh, framed them for murder. And they hung, like, a dozen of them. Really fucked up. And she says she was too busy on the Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> Which she really doesn't have the, uh, I don't know mouthfeel for yeah <laughs> for saying Mississippi. Yeah. But anyway, she's working a riverboat, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And the thoroughfare 
Walcott has his second awesome little. This time it's a monologue instead yeah. of a. Uh, so this time it's a soliloquy instead of mm-hmm. a monologue. Kind of word association too. <laughs> yeah. Past. Past. Yeah. Past hope, past kindness and consideration, past justice, past satisfaction, past warmth or cold or comfort, past love, but past surprise. What an endlessly unfolding tedium life would become. No, Doris, we must not let you be past surprise. Oh boy. This was a comment on the AV Club. I don't think I've used commenters things before other than like, you know, um, cast members. This person says that uh, this past hope monologue by Walcott is his seven ages of man twisted into the seven stages of his own psychosis. All the positive attributes he lists were taken from him at some point in his life and perfectly sum up what's missing from his character. Mm. His ability to see others clearly is one he honed in himself to a lashing truth. And it is this brutal honesty that makes him so tragic and compelling while his utter helplessness to his own nature makes him pathetic and ultimately unsympathetic. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really interesting yeah. looking at it because Walcott is a great judge of people mm-hmm. um, and the fact that he got that way because he searched within himself trying to figure out why he was fucked up yeah, and why he was different from anyone else. So good job, commenter on AV Club from four years ago or whatever. Uh, so he walks into the chaise Ami. when he walks in I think the actress playing Maddie can sometimes be a little bit over the top Mm -hmm. but this look that she gives when Walcott walks in is so good and subtle that she sees him and she you can see her kind of clench up and it's like you're a creature of habit and this is way outside your habits what are you doing here yeah Mm-hmm. Um, he says he wants to talk to Doris which is even more troubling because he shouldn't want anything to do with anyone other than Carrie so she, Maddie is rightly terrified um, now we're, so back in the thoroughfare we see the roots of Merrick's teacher fetish and how some teacher was very kind to him it's like oh what a bright young boy you are and, and blah 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 so yeah, he's <laughs> he's uh, not hiding that too well. <clears throat> now in Al's office, Al is finally talking to Wu. Wu is trying to tell him about Lee. Uh, Al says like he wants to meet him. He wants to figure out how much juice is behind him. Oh lord! <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I don't know. Maybe like I mean they kind of have their way with every. Uh, nationality or ethnicity, but like juice seems like they have this really special freedom and just do whatever the fuck they want. And it's like, ah, God. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he wants to know how much money is behind Lee. Wu mistakes juice for juice. It's it is kind of funny that he like for a moment uh, makes Saul his sworn enemy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, no juice. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, because, you know, he's, he's rightfully horrified by, uh, these, the treatment of these sex workers that they brought in, you know, Wu is, is desperate that Al not be involved in any way with Lee. He's like, no, like, switch, no, 
No. San Francisco uh, cocksucker. San Francisco cocksucker. Um, and this is the first instance. Yeah, I was going to bring this. the first uh, <laughs> of Hang Dai. Hang Dai. Wu Swijin Hang Dai and makes the little thing. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Jim Beaver's been commenting on Alan Seppenwall's post, but also at this point, so is Keone Young, who mm-hmm. plays Wu. Uh, he has this uh, insight into it. He says Hang Dai means big brother. But it has special meaning. It mostly means that you are the authority and I am your brother who is loyal to you. You are my mentor, so to speak. Of course, this can differ in social situations, but this is how Wu meant it. Like, we're brothers, but you're the... I was a little bit disappointed that Wu would make himself a um, subordinate in that Mm -hmm. way. Because what I liked about the Wu character is like he's Al's counterpart in a different yeah. community. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess it does make sense if he's internalized all this mm-hmm. racism that he has to deal with on a day to day basis, which we know happens in other um, minority communities around this time. I don't know enough about the Chinese American community around this time, mm-hmm. but you know they we know that they can kind of come to internalize what everyone says about them. So maybe just that fact is enough for Wu to be like, you're the mentor figure. And I'm, mm-hmm. But we're joined to the hip, we're brothers. It could also be Wu kind of appealing to Al, kind of telling him, like, look, like, just, you know, basically just, I'll do whatever you want to take. To, you know, I'll show whatever reference or deference that you want to show that I'm loyal to you. Just don't be in league with, you know, the San Francisco guy. Mm, yeah, that's yeah. true. Um, yeah, I'm just realizing how much I really don't want to talk about what happens to the Shazami. Yeah. But, um, like, Joni comes back in, and Maddie is in a panic, and kind of in a blind uh, fear. She asks where the other girls are, and Joni's like, they're out looking at some dress. She tells... Joni that Walcott is in a room with Doris and they both know like there is no good reason for that to be going on and Joni quickly figures out like maybe Carrie told him that Doris uh, reports to Cy and maybe uh, Walcott doesn't want Cy knowing what he's doing here blah 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 Walcott comes out at that point and now he wants to see Carrie which is bad news uh, for Carrie and everybody Uh, now we're at Sai's office, and now this is another. We're talking about people kind of punching down, uh, after they've been frustrated by fighting their equal or greater. Uh huh. Um, someone brought uh, Seppenwall brought up that maybe this is what Sai is doing by sicking people after Merrick. Mm-hmm. Uh, where I could see that also this is just something that he needs done. Yeah. But also, it's like. He tried to blackmail Walcott, and it backfired in his face. Yeah. And he got kind of insulted by being called a dinosaur that's past his prime and not up with the times. Mm-hmm. So he's like, all right, I'm going to fuck with this nerd, basically. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, I can be very contemptuous of Leon and uh, Con Stapleton, but they... I think it's a very accurate depiction of very specific sort of people, mm-hmm. like these two shitheads that are always with each other and always, yeah. fr- but are 
constantly like insulting each other <laughs> that both think that they're like they're they're only hanging out with the other because of because they're nice basically <laughs> but yeah. like they they are contemptuous of the other that's like assist me in a flight of fancy gentlemen and con's like don't make me think of leon in a dress mr t <laughs> and leon's like or me of him in anything but fully clothed and <laughs> like fighting with, <laughs> with each other it's like would you shut the fuck up <laughs> uh but Sai, you know brings up the ideas like uh he basically tells him go fuck up merrick's office yeah he, he wants him to to say that you know if he comes saying you know my office got fucked up you say well that's a shame i don't know anything about that but you know there's no neutral party in the power struggle like uh he says the only neutral party in a heavyweight fight is the referee and mm-hmm. you're not a referee. Yeah. Basically saying like you're part of this fight. And so, uh, but there's a, <laughs> I like how Leon's like, uh, what if you were to say to him that? And Leon's like, okay, <laughs> what would we mean? <laughs> I like that. Khan is caught onto it. And, um, I love the Khan catches on. He tells him, like, he means that we're going to go fuck up his office. And Leon just goes, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's legitimately learning, mm. but he's still like, I'm not going to give you the satisfaction. Oh. oh. Um, okay. Now we're back to the chase on me. And we just open on the shot of Carrie tears and snot running down her face walcott's kind of behind her um out of focus doris is on the bed with her throat slit and she's bled out Mm -hmm. what are we to do here carrie get rid of her they'll let you i suppose they will but that won't dispose of the problem. What's the problem? I don't know. I can't say. I don't want you to have seen me. I don't care you killed her. She must have done something to you. I mean something different. I don't want to have been seen. This is more really fucking good acting. Mm-hmm. The way he's still keeping himself composed and trying to get across this, like, how to say it. I don't want to have been seen. Um, there's there's really great camera work, finally. <laughs> uh, as Carrie realizes that Walcott's just insane and she's gonna kill him she says that like you're gonna kill me in this fucking shithole as she says that walcott's hand moves Mm -hmm. and And, mm -hmm. it's like out of focus but you can see he's holding the blade and before he'd just been standing behind her and we know 
blah, blah, blah. But the minute she says that, we see the very subtle introduction in the background of this murder weapon. Yeah. And then it just hangs over Carrie's shoulder. It's so fucking good. I got so jazzed to see the inventive camera work. Yeah. In the show. Uh, yeah, it cuts to the close-up and, and the razor's just hanging over her face. Mm-hmm. And this was heartbreaking. One of the most heartbreaking. There's lots of heartbreaking things, but this mm-hmm. her line of like, do you know how to make it not hurt? And he doesn't give her an answer. Yeah. This <sighs> really depressing. But yeah, yeah, he grabs her and slits her throat and she mm-hmm. dies. Now there's Seppenwall brought up something here. Uh kind of recalling uh the Reverend's eulogy for Wild Bill about the camp is all one body. Mm-hmm. Uh the other analogy Christ made about the body is you know, if your hand causes you to sin, it's better to lop off your hand and be lame for the rest of your life mm-hmm. than to sin against God. Yeah. He's being, he's exaggerating. Mm-hmm. But, so what he says is, if Deadwood, like Paul's church, is one body, and if that body, like the one in Christ's story, is prone to sin, then there must be a way to deal with that sin. Do you cut off the arm? Do you stop Walcott before he can kill again? Uh, do you kill Steve before he can explode? Mm-hmm. Uh, which comes up later with Hostetler and Fields. Like, do we kill him? Do we just cut this body part off? Mm-hmm. They brought this up in connection to... He slits Carrie's throat mm-hmm. and Carrie falls back and he goes, I could just cut my arm off. Which mm-hmm. I, They said that he's saying that of like, I could do that and maybe I'll stop killing. I don't think it was that. I think... He was, I'm interested in what you thought, because like my best guess, it was like he's making a very dark joke mm-hmm. at that moment, but yeah, it not... doesn't seem in his character. I mean, um, I guess when I, when I saw him say that, I thought he was trying to kind of appeal to her as though like, you know, because she, she, she was the woman that he trusted most in the camp, you know, the one that you know, knew how to satisfy him and stuff, and he's disposing of her. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, I, when I heard it, it was kind of like that, you know, in some weird, sick way, like he's trying to explain that she meant something to him, or that I... Okay, so... Yeah, I could cut off my arm, I could, you know... So he, it's kind of like, he's basically putting her down, and he doesn't want to even disturb her just to get his arm out. Mm-hmm. He just wants to like lay her down to rest, and yeah, that's it. He doesn't want to. Yeah. Um. Then Joni wants to go in because she's gotten impatient. She runs to her drawer to get the gun, but Maddie has a gun and points it at her. Maddie at this point is desperate to make anything out of the situation, mm-hmm. and just tells Joni to leave, and Joni runs out. Mm-hmm. She's running through the thoroughfare crying, and Charlie kind of. Greets her, uh, but and she says hi, but just keeps running off. Back at the chez me, Walcott comes out. Maddie asks him what he's done. He says something very expensive. Title of the show. Maddie mm-hmm. tells him $100,000 just for now, but you're going to give me whatever I want 
whenever I want it for the rest of my life. But Walcott just, you know, slits her throat right there. Mm-hmm. He just knocks her her hand out over and slits her throat. Yeah. Um, and Walcott looks kind of bewildered at this, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, this is something he clearly has to do, but I think it's just escalated to the point he never thought it would. Yeah. Um, and I thought um, that Delahunt's, uh, that Garrett Delahunt's eyes were kind of an asset here because there's a shot of him just sitting, staring at Maddie, and his eyes are such a dark brown that it's just kind of this colorless black, you know, just yeah. this black, uh, unblinking eyes just kind of looking at what's, you know, a really disgusting scene. We see later that Sai can barely keep from vomiting at the mm-hmm. side of it. Um, but Joni's run into the Bell Union. She tells Ty that she's got trouble at her place, and the first shot, Cy doesn't really care, and she said, it's Walcott that's doing it, and Cy knows that something's mm-hmm. really fucked up. And, you know, we say bad things about Kim Dickens before. I think she's really, really good in this scene. Yeah. When she's like kind of desperate hysterical and terrified yeah but she's still like you know she's talking to this bartender jack and she's like just give me your money like yeah. <laughs> i'm not gonna get you in the middle of nothing just give me your fucking money yeah and and having to you know she grabs lila and says tell charlie utter to get a wagon ready um i thought she she did a really good job mm-hmm. um so in al's office he's finally met up with cocksucker san francisco He's going to try and bribe him and just plops these big yeah. one bags of gold, <laughs> like dollar signs on him, like Scrooge yeah. McDuck or something. Mm-hmm. And Lee just like doesn't budge. And he offers him like 20,000. He's like, I don't want it. <laughs> Al's like, okay, that's my answer. <laughs> like, that's what I was looking to find out. And like, Woo comes out from behind and, <clears throat> um, yeah, Woo's like, yeah, don't worry about this guy. He's, uh, in, in, Al says to Dan that, like, yeah, it's Hurst. <laughs> Dan, as usual, is, like, way behind him. Like, yeah. what about him? <laughs> what about Hurst? It's like, San Francisco. This guy leaves from San Francisco. He's, he says, like, you think that guy was born looking down his nose at $20,000? He's like, yeah, it's it's Hurst that's behind all this money and behind Yankton and all that stuff. But now size at the chaise on me, and he looks at, I thought this was really good disgusted acting because he kind of does a like dry mouthed like oh, yeah. like looking at everything. Uh, he tells Walcott like, you know, well, at least there aren't any witnesses to see what you did. We can just mm-hmm. clean this up. He says that Joni was there for a while and Sai is clear like, oh, I wouldn't worry about her. <laughs> like, yeah. Because... Mm-hmm. As as dead inside as Sai is, he'd still like to protect Joni if he could. Yeah. Um, but Sai assures Walcott uh, he'll take care of everything. And Walcott's a little bit surprised, but, you know, looks like Sai's skills for blackmail aren't so useless after all. Yeah. <laughs> he's, got, he's got Walcott right where he wants him. Um, but no, back at the hardware store, Seth is apologizing. To Saul for being, you know, a piece of shit. I thought, I thought it was a good line of, like, I'm sorry I called Trixie what I did. And he's like, it wasn't news to me. <laughs> and it's like, it's not what you said about her. It's what you meant by it, you know? Yeah. Um, 
Seth tells him that he went out looking for Steve just so he could punch him for being who he was. At least Seth is, you know, starting to be a little bit self-aware. Um, but then Saul tells him about all his plans for the bank, which he wants him to be chief officer, and Seth is sure that he'd do a good job of that. And then Saul tells him that she's pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, Seth's little happy ending for the episode is over now. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm noticing as I'm looking over my notes and just seeing where these scenes are placed, I'm realizing that, like, it's this, like, uh, not a montage, but just all these different scenes of somebody walking into a mess. Hmm. Yeah, that's <laughs> the next scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, any, oh, God, yeah. Oh, so the next thing, yeah, the, mm -hmm. we're at the Pioneer. Merrick, you know, they're making these clever little jokes about mm -hmm. the food. And he's like, I think Lot's wife could, would have turned that food away. He's like, I thought, I think Lot's wife might have been in that food. He goes, oversalted as it was, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he's so excited to have someone with some wit. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, they go in, they see his place is just, like, torn all the fuck apart. And she holds, like, a handkerchief to her nose to show that, like, somebody did something really smelly. Yep. More on that in a moment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, then we come to a mess of a different sort in the livery. Hostetler's laying in bed, and he sees Steve. Uh, Steve uh, was going to fuck Bullock's horse, but... <laughs> I guess he can't reach or something. I don't know. But he's yeah. just uh, jacking it and uh, jizzes on the horse's leg. Hostetler comes up behind him with a shovel, but like drops it because he's just like oh so God. weirded out. Yeah, he's like, oh my God. <laughs> this person has bigger problems than me right now. He has a, a pretty awesome look. Yeah. <laughs> like, what else do I teach you? That's Yeah. What else do you learn at that school they teach you that? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking good one, Hostetler. Mm -hmm. uh, back at the Pioneer, Merrick is kind of like opining to Sai, like, mm -hmm. someone has ransacked my office. So I was like, oh, well, that's too bad. Maybe you should have printed that fucking paper, bitch. Like, you know. Sai <laughs> uh, says, like, oh, well, if you just printed it, maybe the Hoovleheads would just gotten drunk and waited on the next paper to come out for more information, which is ridiculous yeah uh merrick figures out that it was Sai who sent them over and it's like and he's like you were the one that sent these people to ransack my office and have a dog defecate in in my office and uh do all this so that i would learn this lesson size response is that he doubts they had a dog with them <laughs> <laughs> poor merrick oh but we do get a great scene out of that. Um, back to the livery. Hostetler is Steve tied up to an anvil. And Fields comes in. I think before we even see Fields or anything, he's like, Hostetler, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, Hostetler's like, I caught this man. The fucking horse. Steve is like, I did not fuck that horse. I was not fucking that horse. I swear to God, I was not fucking it. I was not fucking it. Just trying to come on its leg. <laughs> oh, Lord. So funny. 
uh, feels tells Hoster like, look, if you're gonna kill this guy, uh, if you don't mind signing over all your possessions to me, because <laughs> like, yeah, you're not gonna uh, survive that. Hostetler has a very interesting line of just like, you need to die, Steve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, is is very funny. Like, I laughed at it. Uh-huh. But then also it goes back to that thing of like cutting off the part of the body. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the camp is a body. Yeah. You know, maybe Steve is just irredeemable. Mm-hmm. And he probably is irredeemable. Yeah. Uh, but um, Hostetler's kind of like, let's... let's uh, just just get rid of him but fields says like all right steve if would you accept some mercy for me and would you leave in gratitude and not come back after us steve said like yeah uh, i would and he goes all right we're gonna write i fuck the sheriff's horse (laughs) and you sign it and then we have that against you if you try anything um after steve leaves uh hostetler's confiding in fields that he only got in because he had fallen asleep because he'd been drinking for the first time in 17 years because he was so you know ashamed of himself Mm -hmm. for uh betraying uh general fields and fields like tries to reiterate like look i told you i would have done the same thing really quicker um (laughs) This was a sneaky, hilarious scene. Uh, this is kind of like, it's, oh yeah, Seth is distracted. His family's <laughs> trying to tell him about it. But it's hilarious yeah. to me just how long it goes of Seth, like, offering nothing back. Yeah. They're like, well, uh, did you have a tough day? And he's like, no, not really. <laughs> he couldn't even be like, oh yeah, just, you know, I'm tired. He's just like, what? No, day was fine. <laughs> like, well, uh, met the new school teacher and she seemed nice and Seth, like, doesn't even say anything. Yeah. What a piece of shit this guy He is. just goes, good. Okay. <laughs> uh, back in Al's office, Doc is back in, checking on him, and, uh, Doc also kind of says to Al, like, hey, you know, I hope you don't have anything to do with those new Chinese prostitutes. Cause yeah, those are pretty bad. Uh, after he leaves, he tells Dan that they need to muscle up and they don't want to get anyone from around camp. Cause they don't know who all has been bought off by Hearst. Uh, so <laughs> I kind of like the, like we'll go to Cheyenne. J- Johnny's like, I can go to Cheyenne, find some people. He's like, no, Dan, you go. <laughs> Johnny's like, oh, peaches. <laughs> oh, peaches. What does uh, Al say? He says, like, I want you right next to me or something like that. Yeah. A way of, like, encouraging a kid by, like, saying, like, I don't trust you. Yeah, I don't trust you, so you're going to have your most important job, which is being right by me. <laughs> you have the most important job. You have the most important of all. You get to pour me water. Yeah. I need water. My throat's dry. Uh... <laughs> There's a funny little thing about, like, what about that uh, one hooplehead talking about Cropier? Mm-hmm. Dan's like, no, nah, I don't think Cropier works around here no, no more. <laughs> uh, Al's going to go out to the balcony, but he, need, he needs Dan and Johnny to help him up. He's like, it's not a Pierce triplets, what do you say? Yeah. But he kind of, like, it's just, like, leaning against the door jam for a while. Yeah. It's like, okay. 
and makes a hop over to the railing mm-hmm. while he's, you know, sure no one's looking. Um, but outside, Joni's loading up um, all the whores from the Chez Ami, gives them all money, and tells them to split it around themselves and, like, never, ever come back to Deadwood. Yeah. Thanks, Charlie, for taking them, and they kind of ride off under, you know, under the cover of night. It's kind of the book ending of, uh, you know, at the beginning of the episode, we see this big wagon of, uh, this big covered wagon of all the Chinese prostitutes, and they're sticking their hands out, and, like, nobody's helping, mm-hmm. and then, like, uh, you know, Joni's sending all of her prostitutes out covered up just to protect them. It's not, right. you know the people who are bringing the Chinese prostitutes in don't really give a shit about whether they live or die. And yeah. Joni is the complete opposite where she's covering them. So they do not die. And she's like, somebody stick your hand out so I can say bye. You know, that little moment she's like, somebody stick your hand out, mm-hmm. you know, so I can say bye to one of you and say bye to the rest of you. I think it was to hand them the money. Oh, was it? Yeah. It's like, somebody stick your hand out. And she goes, oh, there's, okay. there's 1400 in there. You guys. Split oh yeah, that. that's right. She was like split it. Uh, what was it? Three ways or. Uh, I think it was like four. Four ways, yeah. Four or five. Okay. I don't remember. I'm just trying to remember how many were in the Chez Ami. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, and it's like, you know, very different from how they rolled into town. Yeah. Which was on a stagecoach and the finest clothing. And and also the prostitutes are actually getting the money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in one regard. That's a know. good point. Um, but uh, Al is on his balcony and sees the coach right off and he kind of sees... Joni and they kind of give each other a look of, mm-hmm. you know, these two have both survived something pretty important. Their mm. their lives don't intersect very much, and Al doesn't know what she's been through. But they're very parallel. Like, they have very similar upbringings, and they were sold off when they were young. Yeah. Yeah, they were yeah. sold for... They're, they're basically, you know... Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. yeah. They I actually mean, have a lot more in common than Al to this point has a lot more agency for most of his life and, yeah. and all that. Um, but I think Joni probably had the same um, kind of ideas in mind when she got her girls to come to the Chaise on Me for mm-hmm. probably, you know, better working environment. And Al would get them from this horrible um, <sighs> orphanage. That's the word. Yeah. <laughs> orphanage. Um, and sure, he has them as prostitutes, but it's kind of a way to save them from perhaps worse. Maybe. Yeah. You know, they, they just share a nice little moment, but uh, that is the end of that episode. That's what, this is one of those episodes that sticks with you a long time. Yeah. This one for sure. The Walcott thing, there's, you know, it's not, there is a lot of blood, but it's not, I mean, you know, I've watched like Hannibal, you know, yeah. But for this, just how well it's handled, it's so much more disturbing and and, uh, impactful Mm -hmm. on your nerves. I think Walcott's a very interesting character on a TV show. Mm -hmm. He's basically a serial killer without... He has the mind of a serial killer without being just like, somebody's murdering prostitutes in Deadwood. Who is it? It's like, no, we know this guy. We see him and we see him working and he just is a serial killer without, yeah. you know. and they had just really good ruminations on a lot of different things on human nature and i love the idea of and and i believe Steppenwald, you know while a lot of people got you know the shit was rolling downhill as far as who was picking on who 
but those things will also lead to you know um disenfranchised characters gaining the upper hand like so Sai, you know tried to take down walcott and couldn't but made walcott mad so he went and did something to a lesser person yeah and that ended up giving Sai the upper hand right mm-hmm. and steve you know being kind of bullied by bullied by bullock which sounds like a podcast <laughs> bullied by bullock he goes and takes it out on a horse mm-hmm. you know because he can't do anything to the sheriff but then that ends up giving fields and hostile or some mm-hmm. sort of upper hand yeah whereas they were victimized before so mm-hmm. <clears> these <throat> kind of punching down it sucks for whoever's at the bottom but it also makes the person who's on top more vulnerable yeah um, just thought just it's a really good show. Yeah, it's when you punch down, you can't hide your head. That's right, man. Any other thoughts on this? Hang die, Daniel. Hang die, always. We'll be back next week with episode seven of season two. Eb was left out. <laughs> I think that might be my favorite title of any of the shows. I think so, just because <laughs> it like. Carries the promise yeah. of, <laughs> of EB getting uh, uh, stymied. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll be back. In the meantime, be sure to check us out on iTunes and subscribe if you haven't already. Be sure to rate and review. That really would help us a lot. Um, let anyone else know any way that you can. If you think they'd like Deadwood, try and get them into it. Uh, you can check us out on Twitter at Deadwood Pod. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, unauthorized cinnamon deadwood podcast just search for that on facebook and check out our page at our happy home mockingbirdnetwork.com you can find all the other great podcasts like my other baseball podcast throwing junk uh my fiance's podcast podcast the gallery <clears throat> i'll just give that a shameless plug <laughs> um there's also polywana podcast nerd love just started back up which is fantastic with our uh our uh, network creator Brenda Valdivia and Roxy Hayes I just guessed on that not too long ago talking to people about Deadwood and that was a whole lot of fun but uh, until then enjoy your Deadwood feeling and I'll talk to you soon Mocking Bird Network.